Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. What's up, Jackson? What's up, everybody? How are you guys? You guys doing well? Hey, so tonight we have, we have late night after the gathering. Um, we also have a bunch of popcorn, I think. Is that, is that word? Um, wait, wait, wait. This just in. Yes, popcorn is confirmed. Um, so you're staying if there's food. She's like, I only like you for your food. That's fair. That's fair. So, um. Hey, I want to I want to um I want to begin tonight with a little question. I'm just wondering how many people here enjoy themselves a smoothie. Like on a scale, let's do this. Let's do this. Like if you're like I'm a 10, I can have a smoothie all day, every day. Give me like a double hands up. And if you're just like maybe once in a while, give me like a little one of this and then an in between. So like I'm like team smoothie all the way. Team smoothie? Got ish. You're, she's giving me one of these. I like it. All right. And now to this one. Ah, troller coaster. So um, I'm a huge, huge smoothie guy. I'm a huge smoothie guy. And so a few years ago, something happened. A few years ago, something, something happened to me related to smoothies. A few years ago, are those stitches? Oh, tell me afterwards. We'll talk about it. A few years ago, my wife came home and she goes, Sam, Sam, I know you love smoothies, so I got something for you. And she pulled out a smoothie recipe book. Simple enough. And I was like, why do you need a smoothie recipe book? And she's like, well, you have to understand, some smoothies are good for, like, energy. And some smoothies are good for, for fiber. And some smoothies are good for gout. And some smoothies... I help, they cure diabetes. And I don't know, she's just page, it's like a hundred page book on smoothies. And I'm just like, my mind is being blown because of the way that I grew up. You see, I grew up with a mom. My mom is Puerto Rican. You've heard me do my, Sammy, come over here. You know, that's like my mom. And my parents, both my parents, they like, I don't think they've ever owned a recipe in their life. Let alone a recipe book. You know what I mean, right? Any of my Latinos out here, you know what I'm talking about, right? Me and Eilish, awesome. Hey, you know, so, so check it out. My wife, Elizabeth, my wife, she's like, Sam, I want to be a good wife, and I want to learn how to make your favorite meals. And so she comes to my house, and she's like, Rose, can you teach me how to make, you know, rice and beans and sofrito? And my mom's like, yeah, I'll teach you. So you do this, and uh, some of this, and uh, not that. And, uh, and my wife's trying to, like, write down notes, and she's like, but how much of that are you putting in there? My mom's, my mom's like, you know. You know, and then and then no joke. Just this past Christmas, my favorite meal that my dad makes. My dad is like 110 percent Italiano. His mom was like straight off the boat. They don't call it pasta; they call it the Gucci's, right? Um, and so they make the noodles there. And so she like makes her own sauce and her own meatballs. It takes like six hours. She has passed on the recipe to my father, and my father is aging. My father will not be around forever, and so I'm going to miss him. 
but I'm also going to miss his meatballs. And so at this Christmas time, we decided to capture the meatball recipe and make sure that that would be immortal, you know. And so my wife, I, I, I'm so bad. I was like, Joe, we should cook the six-hour meal today. And then I took a nap and never woke up until it was time to eat. But my wife is there, and she's like, I'm going to video document the whole thing. So I literally have like three gigs of meatball-making videos over six hours. I'm never watching that thing. But my wife, my wife is there, and after a while, she's frustrated because it looks like my dad is making up the recipe on the spot. And he confirms her suspicions when he drops this line. When she goes, wait, wait, would you use that one or that one? And he goes, I don't remember. And he puts both of them in. And it's just like, homeboy, recipes are important. Recipes are important. So back to the smoothies. It's my senior year of high school. I'm the varsity track captain. I'm keeping my body on 10 to perform at high levels on the track and in life. And so my mom, she says, I'm going to help you keep your fitness on 10. I'm going to make you a smoothie because I heard that smoothies are really healthy. And I saw on Oprah that if you drink smoothies, you have a lot of energy. And I'm going, sounds good to me. How do you make this smoothie, mom? She says, well, you put healthy stuff in it. <laughs> Elaborate, ma. I don't know. What do we have that's healthy? And my mom begins to make this concoction. I mean, she put a lot of healthy stuff in it. But how many of you know that not all healthy things go together? Right? Mom's putting carrots. I'm like, I could do carrots. Mom put tomatoes. I'm like, I guess I like ketchup. Homegirl put beets. In the smoothie, I kid you not, right now, if I close my eyes and think about it, I can taste the smoothie. Like, if I burp, I can still, like, you know? And so I'm like, Ma, this looks like somebody died and was blended in the cup. She goes, Sammy, trust me. It'll give you energy. Drink it three hours before your meat. So, all right, my meat's at 3 o'clock, lunch is at 12 o'clock, and so all my friends are eating, you know, it's like chicken sandwich day in the cafeteria, which is like the only kind of palatable day in the cafeteria, and instead of eating chicken, chicken uh, sandwiches and tater tots, I pull out this smoothie, <laughs> and if you could see the looks on my friends' faces, how many of you know it didn't look like that picture right there, right? There was no little peppermint on top with a Tropicana straw. This looked like gore, Right? Like, if I disappeared under the table and poured this on the table, they'd think, like, I was evaporated, you know? And so I, I open it up, and I think it must like, fermented in the, in the few hours since that morning. Yo, the thing gave me, like, a pfft, you know? Like, there was, <laughs> it was, yo, it was pressurized, right? It was pressure, and the whole cafeteria table was, like, right? Like, I just got a ton of leg space, and so I'm, like, pfft, and I open it up, and I go, I go, I gotta do it for the track meet. And I pinch my nose and I proceed to chug 12 ounces of I don't know what. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do it for the culture, you know what I'm saying? And so I get to my track meet, right? And if you're an athlete, you know when you get the nerves, right? And you know when it's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna poop my pants right now, right? And I'm thinking, like, oh, it's just the nerves. It wasn't the nerves, right? Fortunately for me, I'm out on the track, and you got the compression shorts on in your tank, and it's like, first call. And I'm just like, Ugh. I don't burp. Like, I'm not a loud burper. You know what I mean? I was belching. Like, straight up, like, it was like, 
gargantuan. It was just belching. And it was the smelliest burps ever. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I'm like, we're going to get into the Bible. I'm giving you extra details here, right? And so, but no joke. Like, literally, while I was running, I was fighting the smell and the taste back down into my esophagus. Like, I taste, it was like every time I burped, I was like re-experiencing the gore. What I'm trying to say is that recipes are important, right? <laughs> recipe, yo, my wife's smoothie recipe book is like my most prized possession in the house because it ensures that I'll never taste that again, right? Which my mom couldn't even make it again because she's like, I don't know, put this in there, right? Once and done. Recipes are important. And so tonight at Ethos Night, tonight, Ethos Night is a night where we look at who we are. There are six discipleship values that, like, how, how many of you have been here for less than a year at Citizens, right? All the sixth graders, awesome. So you've been here for less than a year, and you're like, I kind of like them, they're cool, Sam's crazy, and they play nine square. So, like, that's cool, that's true, that's not who we are, though. That's just what we do. And so every once in a while, we call timeout. Sixth graders, this is your first time at an ethos night. This is great. Every once in a while, we call a timeout on our normal sermon series, and we pause, and we say, let's just talk about who we are. Let's zoom in on one of these values. And tonight, we are learning that we are a community that cultivates Christ-centered community. There's a lot about community, right? The chess community and the track community and the, and the boys community and the women's community. And it's just everybody talks about community. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a specific type of community. We're talking about a community that is centered around Christ. And everybody says, And so, Mike, thank you, four ladies. And so we should keep them around, keep them around. So what, what I'm talking about tonight, as we talk about community, as we hear from some of our old alumni describe their experience with community, my question for you is, what are the ingredients? What are the ingredients, students? What goes into Christ-centered community? What's the recipe, if you will? If I were to break it down for you, if we were to look around, what ingredients would we find? What is this community made of? What is this community made of? And so the title of my message tonight is this, students. What are you made of? What are you made of? And I don't mean you, Josh Lawrence. I don't mean you, Eilish. I'm saying, I'm athlete. Oh my gosh, Nana. Okay, listen, I'm not meaning you as an individual. What are you? What are you made of? Citizens, youth, the community. And in order to find out, guess where we look? Sixth graders, do you know this answer yet? Do you know where we look whenever we ask a question on a Wednesday night? Upperclassmen, where do we look? The Bible, because we prioritize biblical truth. And so why don't you do this? Open up your Bibles. If you don't own a Bible, raise your hand. If you don't own a Bible, boom, I see you. I see you. Anybody else not own a Bible? Come and find me tonight. We have a gift for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is. And it has something to do with the question I just asked you. Okay? It's a puppy. No. It's a Bible. Every Wednesday night, you need your Bible. You want to borrow mine? You can borrow mine, all right? Oh, I need to preach. I'm sorry. I need that. But you can share. You can share with Olivia. And so every Wednesday night, B-Y-O-B, bring your own Bible. And if you don't have one and you forget it, you can always grab one off the tables in the back on the way in. So this is very important, sixth graders. This is who we are. We have the Bible open. We're going to be following along verse by verse, word by word. Everybody hold up your pen. Hold up your pen. This is ethos night, so this is a good review. Salute me with your pen. 
Now uncap it, and you're going to write notes. This is amazing, okay? And tonight, I'm actually going to have you underlining the text in your notebook. So uh, are we ready? Becky, you look like you're antsy, Becky, right? You want some of this? Let's do it. Tonight, we're looking to the Bible, specifically Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 43. If you are ready with your pen out and your Bible open, give me an, oh, yeah. Like it. Here we go. You guys ready? You ready? You sure? Woo! You ready? Citizens, are you ready? Are y'all ready? Thank you. Here we go. I, hey, I need energy. If I don't have energy from y'all, I can't give energy. So preach me down. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, 42 and 43. Look at what the word of the Lord says. Look what it says. Oh, let's not do that yet. Let's go to Acts 2. But 42 is a lot. That's a lot of verses in. So I got to give you some background. All right, I got to give you some background. So I want you to imagine that you are now outdoors. Big oof. Too soon, right? Pretend that you are outdoors like we were supposed to be. You are outdoors, and there are a few thousand people all around you. There are a few, imagine you're in downtown PDX, right? And there are a few thousand people all over the place. It's like Saturday market. And you start to hear this commotion. You start to see like, you know when you like hear something in the crowd and you, you can like hear everybody's like, like hear their collective attention. And so imagine you're in outdoor PDX and, and you're downtown and there's just this crowd forming. And you're like, what's going on? What's going on? And it's like, rah, 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 rah. And you're like what? do you guys hear something? And you just, you get closer and closer. And finally you go, oh, there's somebody standing up there on that statue and they're saying something. Let's listen to what they're saying. And so there's this guy named Peter. And Peter is standing up and he's talking about a dude. And you're like, yo, who's he talking about? Was that Jesus? No, his name is Jesus. And so he's talking about this guy named Jesus and he's claiming that Jesus is a king. And you're like, is he the king of Italy? Is he the king of France? No, he's the king of God's kingdom. Oh, thanks. I missed it. I was getting the falafel. Great. So you're caught up now. Jesus has come as the king of God's kingdom. And Peter is saying to all of you in the crowd, you can be in God's family. Follow the king. You can come into God's family. Follow the king. He's full of grace and mercy, and he's faithful. And he doesn't care how much you have sinned in the past. He can wipe it all away, and nothing you do can make him love you less. His name is Jesus. And the people in the crowd, they don't do what you would expect them to do. They don't walk away. They don't roll their eyes. They don't scoff. They are cut to the heart. And something inside of them, the Holy Spirit, convinces them of the truth of this gospel message. Gospel meaning good news message. And they respond like this. They go, I believe him. Peter! Hey, yo, Peter! What should we do? And he says, if you want to follow the king, repent. Leave your life of sin and come follow him. Be his disciple. And a few thousand people come forward, confess Jesus Christ to be the king of their life. They get baptized. They go public with their faith. And then you know what they do? Do you know what these new followers of Jesus do? They do verse 42. Let's check it out. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread 
and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. How many souls? Every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Through the apostles. So who, who, is, the, who is the author talking about here? Let's interact here. Who is the author talking about? Who do you guys, what, what's his name? Who, who's he talking, is, what's her name? Is, who, who did this? Who devoted and, and, and broke bread and all that? Who? Come on, what, you don't see their name? What, what's, what's the name? Say it again. They, young sixth grader. Seniors are like, oh, that was a trick question. Look. And this is, I'm going to blow your mind right here. But the first thing we see in our text, check it out. What we see is they. They. Well, wait a minute. Who was in the crowd? What was his name? What was her name? What did they do? No, 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 no. Guys, I'm going to blow your mind. They were a they. Like, thousands of people, you know what they were? They were a they. They were referred to as they. They devoted themselves. They were a they. These followers of Jesus, right off the jump, we learn they're more than a bunch of individuals who are living out their new faith. These are not a group of people who said, thank you, Peter. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Now, excuse me, everybody else. i got to go figure that out for myself. No. They were they. They come together because God is creating a community. Right off the jump, God made you part of the they. God is creating a community because this is a collective faith. This, friends, Christianity, we do this together. And so here's what you need to remember, that if you're going to follow Jesus, to be a part of this kingdom means that you now belong to a movement that is bigger than you. You are part of a movement that is bigger than even your generation and your geography. This is part of the kingdom of God that always has been and always will be. I'm going to blow your mind right here, young teenager. Community is bigger than citizens. Community goes on when you graduate high school, as we saw today. Community goes on when you graduate college. Community exists when you leave the country. Community exists in heaven. Community is the context in which God is saving people. And so here's what you need to understand. Because everything I'm saying to you tonight is not cool. It is counter-cultural. Okay? And so here's what I want you to understand. Your faith is very, very personal. Okay? It's very deeply, intimately personal. God knows you. God knows the amount of hairs on your head. God sees you when no one else sees you. He hears you when no one else hears you. One of the most beautiful psalms, Cheyenne, in the Bible talks about how David, he, he was crying so much, and he pictured the Lord catching each one of his tears in his jar. I should have brought a tear jar, and I actually got one in Israel when I went. It's extremely personal. You're not just a number in the masses. Like, you are known by God. Everybody say, it's personal. But it's not private. It's personal. 
but it's not private. This is opposite of the culture that says, hey, 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 this is my business. So, like, if you can just step out of my business, I would appreciate it. Thank you. This is, a, like, a me and Jesus conversation, so why don't you busy nosy yourself out of here, right? You're like, none of my friends talk like that. Why does he do that? That's my inner persona, actually. Um, sorry, not sorry. Your faith is extremely personal, but it is not private. You cannot have Christ without his community. You cannot have God without his family. And so remember, this is more than a season of your life called youth group. What you are learning at this age, what you are experiencing in this season, this is a taste of what the rest of your life needs to be. And one day, hopefully this doesn't happen, but one day, what like my buddy Zach's talking about, when you find yourself in a place and you go, man, I'm isolated. I don't have community. I don't like this. Hopefully one day you'll go, oh yeah, I remember what I learned. We should be cultivating Christ-centered community. And you get back on track. That's what we do. Because they, they're a they. Okay? And so here's my question for you. What do they do? What does this community do? Well, we see four things. The recipes, if you will, of a Christ cultural community. We see it here in the same verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles. Let's do like an interactive thing here, okay? So I'm going to do this. This is the universal sign for let me hear it, okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles and the, to the breaking of, and the, look at that. We belong together, right? We're doing it together. So what is this community about? What are they made of? Did you see the four things there? Do you see the four things? And here's what that tells me. This community, not only are, were they they, but their core is clear. They were a community, and there was no question. Everybody knew what this community was about. There was four things that they regularly did. There was four things that they devoted themselves to, right? And so there's a difference, right? If I said to you, hey, my track team happened to go to Chick-fil-A, nobody's going to go, oh, that's what it means to be a part of the track team. They go to Chick-fil-A. You go, no, 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 like, that's, that's just something they did on the side. That's not, like, who they are, right? My swim team went on a hike. That's what it means to be on the swim team. They go on a hike. No, that, that, that's incidental. Do you understand? That's, like, that, that's not who that team is. The four things that we see here are not like Chick-fil-A. It's not like they just so happened to do these things. It's not like they just every once in a while did them. These were what they did. This is who they are. These are the core pieces of their communal identity, okay? This is what they are about, who they are made of, how they define themselves. And so the ingredients that we find here, remember, they were a they. So can we look at the four ingredients? Should we use the recipe? Should we avoid the mistakes my mama made and uh, just make it up as you go along? You ready? Look at the four ingredients. Let's look at them. They were devoted to, look at all the pens out. I love this. The note takers are like, please, give me number one. Some of you guys are like, yo, I'll just like maybe catch a note later. There are some students in here that if I were to drop dead before I gave the point, before they even checked my pulse, they would come up and make sure they got the right blank. Number one, they were devoted to, ah, ah, 
and I fall off, and Maddie's like, teaching, teaching, right? Are you okay? It's like cutthroat, but be cutthroat for the gospel. I like it, all right? Number one, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. They came together regularly because they were devoted to learning the gospel. Let's go back there. Uh, somebody put me on learning the gospel, or I guess I can just go back. Uh, learning the gospel, all right? So they came together regularly. They went to what they called temple because they wanted to learn from their leaders. Everybody say learn. Learn. I love it. Central to who they were is this devotion to learn. There was a devotion. There was a commitment to come together and learn and rehearse and remind each other of the gospel. So imagine they get together and like, hey, what's up? And the other person's like, not much. Why don't we learn? And the other person says, yes, that's precisely why I'm here. I'm actually devoted to it. And they say, what should we learn? And they say, hey, remember that thing that Peter talked about? Oh, yeah, that was called the gospel. They were still working on how to make it really smooth in those days. Now we're like sleek with like clickers and stuff. But that's essentially what we're doing. Every time we get together, we say, hey, what should we learn about? Let's talk about what, what they originally talked about, the gospel. Sam, oh, dude, if I hear one more senior in my career, I'm going to like just quit, right? Like if I hear one more senior talk to me, like, Sam, I just, been here for seven years, and I'm just not really feeling it anymore. I feel like I learned it all already. Excuse me, I'm having a heart attack. Maddie, get the nurse. <laughs> you learned it all already? The gospel is not something you graduate from. The gospels are not your SATs. Yeah, I finished that when I was 17. The gospel is what we spend the rest of our lives learning and understanding and thinking about the implications. Addition, I learned that. Check, moving on. Long division, I learned it by the grace of God, moving on, right? Algebra, calculus, biology, anatomy, I learned it. I'm moving on. Not the gospel. Core to the identity of this community is a devotion, students, to learning the gospel. We just came out of Colossians, right? And what was the opening prayer? Remember Emma, right? He says, I pray that you would increase in the knowledge of God. We come together because we want to increase in the knowledge of God. And there are some of you here that you're like, I'm not here for the knowledge of God. I'm here for the knowledge of Shoday in the corner. And that's okay. I love you, and I'm glad you're here, but I pray that you pay attention long enough to know that, like, essentially what we are about is this. Come with us to camp. Just come. Or are you coming to camp? Come to camp, buddy, right? And you'll learn that we know how to have fun more than any community in Clark County. And when it's time, Eric, Eric, you're coming to camp, right? Eric's coming to camp. He told me no five minutes ago, but he's like, now you're just too funny. I got to come. He's coming to camp, and you're going to learn that we have fun, bro. It's a blast. But like at the end of the day, we're here because we want to increase in the knowledge of God. First ingredient of a Christ-centered community, they are devoted to learning the gospel. That's a universal sign, so let me hear you, okay? Let's keep going. Second thing, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Fellowship, thank you. I forgot the universal sign. And so what we have to realize here is that like if we only emphasize learning, 
If we only emphasize, be a learner, be a learner, be, like, be hungry for the gospel, then that can easily lead us to becoming solo scholars. See what I'm talking about? How many of you know what a solo scholar is? I've seen them. I've seen them. I'm a pastor. We have solo scholars all the time, right? In this room right now, there's someone here, and that person is, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> it's not me. A solo scholar is someone who says, hey, I love the Bible, and I really love God, and I want to know more about him. I just don't care about his people. That's not an option. Because James or John says, can you really love God if you don't love his people? What? Like you love the invisible God, but you don't love the visible people who are made in his image. So what we have to be careful is of being solo scholars. And so we need to devote ourselves to fellowship. Everybody say, fellowship. Right. That has nothing to do with the word. I just like that motion. Fellowship. Fellowship means they are devoted to coming together regularly. The fellowship refers to the coming together of Christians in brotherly love, in community. And so fellowship is more than a synonym for let's kick it, okay? Fellowship is more than just let's hang out. Fellowship is this commitment to the sharing together of our lives because we have something in common. And you know what we have in common? What's his name? Jesus. We understand that we are partaking in something together, our common faith. And so because we're partaking in something together, we should get together. Because we have some, because God put us together, we regularly come together to share in this together and live it out together. And so think of it like this, right? There's two different types of um, or two different models that you can think of, right? One of them is called the chair, and the other one is called the table, okay? And so let me explain. The chair simply means this. The chair, like, oh, dude, this chair is awesome, right? You know what I can do in this chair? I can Netflix. Yo, I can, I can eat popcorn. You know what else I can do in this chair? I can get comfy, the couch, this chair, is about my experience, about my comfort. What am I consuming as an individual? Excuse me, I like the chair. Party for one, please. It's a solo thing. But Christianity is not like the chair. It's like the table, but I don't want to tell you because I have to get up from the chair. Christianity is like this. Can I have three ladies right here? Three? Come on, Maddie, Keaton, Liv, come on, right? The table... Is how many people know this is different than the chair, right? Like right off the bat, yes, come on, eat. This is good. This is um eat, eat, it's good, right? And so pretend they can't see the plates, right? Pretend, right? Cut it. Use your spoon. Okay. And so the table, right off the bat, it implies that this is more than just one person. The table, the picture of a table implies they belong together. Other people belong here. This is where I come together with others. Here at the table, we are sharing in something. We are experiencing something together. How is it? Is it good? Excellent, right? The table is a party with other people, right? <laughs> We're working on them. We're working on them, right? The dress rehearsal is awesome. And so here's the thing. In this Christ-centered community, we understand that we are sharing, not consuming. We belong together. 
not in isolation. And so here's my question for you, student. Are you right now, in your Christian faith, even in this room, are you in the chair or are you at the table? Thank you, ladies. Are you in the chair or are you at the table? Are you experiencing what community is meant to be by devoting yourself to the fellowship, to this mentality that says we are sharing in something? You've been saved by Christ? Ditto. You've been baptized? Me too. And so we come together regularly because we're sharing in something together. Hebrews chapter 10, students, get this tattooed in your mind. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting, neglecting means like failing, like ignoring it. Not neglecting to meet as is the habit of some. Oof. Hebrews author, stepping on toes. Some of y'all habits is to not be meeting, is what he's saying, all right? But encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Students, are you in the chair are you at the table? Do you come here and you know I'm not going to talk to a single individual. Nobody there knows my name. I don't know anybody's name. But hey, it is what it is. It's not what it is. It doesn't have to be that way. If you're in here, you know what you can do? You can take a page out of my wife's book. You know what my wife does? She's literally done this her whole life and she has better friends than I. She goes, I'm tired of being isolated. I want a friend. So she looks and she observes. She doesn't just go to the first person. That's me, right? I'm on the first day of college and I'm like, everybody's my best friend. And then like three years later, I'm like, I can't even believe I used to talk to that person. What? We're just so not compatible. And so my wife, she'll just wait and she'll watch. And she goes, who are the people? Hmm, who are the people? I want to be, hmm, there's a quality person. Who are the people? Yes, right? And then she goes up to them. She goes, hey, I'm Jordan. I'm not getting a small talk. You want to be my friend? Yes, dude. And she's just like, that's, that's my wife, dude. That's my wife. And so maybe you're just like, I don't have friends. Go up to somebody and be like, hey, let's just be friends, right? And they're going to go, me too, right? So they devoted themselves, not now, do it after the gathering, all right? <laughs> after the gathering. So they devoted themselves to learning the gospel. They devoted themselves to coming together regularly. Look what else they did. That's just supposed to be a minute ago. <laughs> Look what else they did. To the breaking of bread. Like, yo, they got money. They got that paper. They're making change with their guap. No, no, bread before your generation actually meant this uh, carbohydrate that was baked and often crusty. Um, and you would eat it, and it would be nourishment. So bread is a food item. Millennials said. So here's what they're doing, right? Why is it important that they're breaking bread? Like one of these things does not belong, right? They're worshiping God. They're learning the gospel. They're fellowshipping. And then they're like dipping tacos in salsa. What? And then they're having nacho nights and playing games. And you're like, what? Is like, yeah, I think Paul or Luke was tripping here because like, that's not important, is it? Is that important to break bread together? Is it important, like, me and Maddie love the Lord, we read our Bibles, we memorize scripture, we have ice cream Sundays? <laughs> yes. The sixth grader's like, where? Where? <laughs> Why does he include such a mundane task? Because they were devoted 
to doing life together. Here's why this is important. Your life in this community must include more than religious activity. Okay? Your life, the relationships in this community must include more than religious activities at the facilities. Okay? That could be a tight band name, right? Activities at the facilities. Morgan, where are you? Let's do it. All right? Um, it'll be like a cool, like, smooth jazz, retro, a little bit of like EDM in it. All right? Excellent. Um, and so here's why this is important. Because you, if you are not careful, you will compartmentalize Jesus into one corner of your life. I have my friends, but then I have my church friends. I have my life, but then I have like my church life. And I have like who I am, but then I have my who I am at church. Two hands, because I like smoothies and the Lord. Right? And so your life, Jesus affects every part of your life. Jesus and the gospel transforms every element of who you are. And so you should be sharing every aspect of who you are with each other. To put it another way, your lives need to touch. My four-year-old right now loses his mind when the food touches. Remember those days? It's like the chicken is there and the bread is there and he's like, Dad, I want the corn. And so I come over and I put the corn on the cob and it like grazes a piece of the grain on the bread. I'm not kidding you. It's the worst experience of my life right now. And I really have to, like, I'm, my wife and I, we pray for him. I'm like, Lord, help me to have compassion that this is an anxiety that I need to fix, not something that I need to flip tables over, right? But it's like, and then I move the corner. He's like, thank you. <laughs> they can't touch. It's the opposite. Your lives need to touch. You need to be at each other's, yeah, <laughs> thank you, right? Touch the knee. Excellent, right? But you're like, dude, you need to be at each other's birthday parties. You need to be inviting each other over to your track meets. You need to be going to the movies together. Well, you need to be having taco nights. You need to be having spaghetti nights and more taco nights, right? Everybody, homework assignment, have a taco night this week and invite a friend over and me to the party, okay? But does this make sense? Your lives need to touch because Jesus transforms all of it, all right? Let's look at the final ingredient. Final ingredient. Let's review. They devoted themselves to the apostles. I really, I really trained you to do this. This is, I'm living in the bed. I've set, okay, teaching and, the, and to the breaking of. And finally to the. They devoted themselves to prayer. We cannot be a community that comes together and we talk about God like he's not even in the room. Anna, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Maddie, come here. Come here. Maddie, come here, please. Class of 2020, come here. Don't stop doing it. Okay. Hey, um, do you like Anna? Dude, Anna is like, she's such a cool person. Like, I even wrote a song praising the attributes of Anna. Like, she's just, I just really, I want to, like, spend time with Anna more. And, you know, I just really struggle with reading my Anna diaries. Um, I just, like, can you pray for me that I would read more of my Anna um, thing? You know, I just, like, if I could just find more time to be in her presence, I just would be much better off. Don't you agree? 
Yeah, I just, but where am I going to find the time, you know? So anyway, let's go. And it's right there, right? And we come together in community. We talk about God, and God is this. And you know God is this, and God taught me this. And God is, man, I really love God. Talk to God. He's here. We devote ourselves to the prayers. You need to be the type of friends that you can't go more than 10 minutes about have, talking about God without going, ah, time out, time out. Let's just talk to him right now. Time out. Let's just, God, you hear us? We're here right now. We're talking about being a community that wants to be more in your presence and spend time with you. Help us to remember that you're here, God, because we are forgetful. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. We devote ourselves to prayer. Thank you, ladies. We, Anna, there you are. We do this all the time, Okay. You will never come to a citizen's gathering and not have prayed. You will never come to church and not have prayed. This is what we do in community. And you know what prayer does? This is off script, but I'm going to tell you personally. You know what prayer does in a moment? You know what it's like when you're like super hard and you're feeling it? Just like, you're feeling like, man, I'm just like Big Ben and tough, right? Or maybe you're coming in and you feel like depressed. Or you know what it's like when you're feeling a little bit bitter? You know what it's like when you're feeling a little bit cynical? You know what it's like when you've had your feelings hurt? And you turn your heart upward. In that moment, you go, Lord. And in a moment, just bringing your soul into proximity with God, it like evaporates and melts all of those things. And you come into the presence of God, and you were tough, or you were down, or you were lonely, and you just come out of it, and you go, God, better is one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. Thank you, Lord. This is what it looks like to cultivate Christ-centered community. The core is clear. And then look where we end. Look at the final verse here. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And so the final thing we see here, students, as awe came upon every soul, right? Like this community is just so full of awe. That you may even call it awful, but in the old English way, that meant good, right? Did you know that? Awful meant full of awe. It was like awesome meant awful. Like, yo, you look awful tonight. Yo, thank you, girl. Right? Try that one later today, okay? Trust me. And so there was something about this community that made people go, like, look at me, look at me. Like, like what is something, like, like, like let's say you're driving a 205 and down, down to Portland. And you look to your left and you see the mountains, Right? And what do you do, like in that moment, even the most tough dude in here, don't you just go like, oh, P&W till I die. <laughs> right? Like, you go into the gorge, and you're like, oh my gosh, bro, I can't take another step. You said it was one mile. It's 15 miles. And you get to the top, and you're like, oh, oh, oh. It's awe. Do you know that God's community inspires awe? It is attractive to the outside world. And you know why it was attractive? And I know what you're thinking, right, Carl? You're like, well, I know it's attractive. Of course it's attractive. There was a lot of signs and wonders. Everybody was attracted to the signs and wonders. And it may seem like that. They may even think they're attracted to the signs and wonders. But those of us in the family of God, we know the true secret. And we know why they're attracted. It's not because of the signs and wonders. It's because of what the signs and wonders tell us. The signs and wonders tell us and tell the world that God is in our midst. It is attractive 
because God dwells in the space between us. Sounds like another album name. Let's drop a hardcore album. Second disc, this time a little bit more upbeat with some rock undertones, okay? And then I'm going to do a fast rap track for a remix. Noted. God dwells in our midst. God put us together, not so that Levi could have friends, not so that Olivia can, have not, uh, can fight loneliness, not so that Becky can belong. God made community so that he can dwell among us and that he would be our God and we would be his people. He says so much here. In him, you also are being built Together, I feel like we've said that word a lot tonight. Huh, we should sing a song about that, Max. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You want to do a trick question with your parents? Go home and say, Mom and Dad, what's God's address? And they're going to go, well, technically, Jimmy. Go, or I'm sorry, that's like so 1990s. Well, technically, Xander. Well, listen here, Ava, okay? Ava with a silent P, listen to me. I know you're trying to trick me because there are no addresses in heaven, but God is in heaven. You go, false, mom and dad. The problem names were like Betty and John. False. God's address is right here because he dwells in our midst. And you drop the celery sticks, walk upstairs, slam the door. All right? I'm going to have like 15 emails tomorrow. All right? like, what's up? And so God dwells in our midst, students. This is what it's about. God dwells in our midst. And so I ask you once again tonight, are you experiencing Christ-centered community? Are you here right now in the seats because your mom made you? Are you here right now showing up every once in a while and you're just kind of like, I don't know, is this, it's kind of cool, I don't know, I'm kind of bored and... My friend dragged me. She said there was free soda. So, okay, you know. You didn't even get a free soda today, did you? Your friend's a liar. Your friend is an, a, a stone-cold liar. I want to know who she is. Show me later, okay? Maybe you're here for a million different reasons, but here's what I believe. I believe that what, no matter the reason that brought you here with your circumstances, I believe that the Lord has a plan for your life and that he's brought you here so that you can be a part of his people, and that God is pursuing you. And he wants to save you, but he wants to save you into a community. The community is bigger than just citizens. It's the, it's the big community. It's the community of heaven that we will be a part of. It's the community of Christians who have existed in all times and in all places. But you know where we get to see that huge reality? We see it in the local church level. I don't need to be a I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. What? You don't need to have the family to have the last name? What? Like, it, like, this is who we are. God is bringing us into a community. And my desire is for every single student in this room. It's for every single student who's not in this room but goes to Union and Mountain View and Camas and, and Evergreen, right? Thunder, right? I want every single student to experience God's salvation in the context of community. And so, Ben, why don't you come up? Here's how we're going to end. We're going to do a few different things tonight that are fun. we got a game planned here in a few moments. Uh, you guys know that we go till 9 o'clock now because it's summer, right? right? Every sixth grader is like popping pixie sticks right now. Like, summer! 9 o'clock! So we need pixie sticks. Michelle, make a note of that from now on. 
We need pixie sticks every Wednesday night. We got six skaters here who are just like living the best life right now. But uh, here's what we're going to do. Before we get into that, we're going to take some time and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We devote ourselves to prayer. And so we are going to pray. And I want you to pray for every single student in this room that we would experience this type of community. Sixth graders, you got your seatbelts on? Buckle up, sisters and brothers. We got seven years together, all right? It's going to be a wild ride. But if you can get this lesson now that we cultivate Christ-centered community, you're going to be good. It's going to be a fun ride, all right? All right? That's right. Hands on three. One, two, three, hands. Here we go. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray for the Lord to continue to cultivate this type of community among us. Then we're going to sing. And then here's what we're going to do as we play games and relax tonight. We have a poster on the wall. It says, we are. We're a family. We're a community. We're unified. We're students. We're servants. We're leaders. We're going to leave that poster up all summer with a fresh coat of duct tape each week. And I want you, we have a bunch of markers in the back. And I want you to just go up there and, and write. You can write them big or small. But I want you to write some words. I want you to write some phrases. Maybe even write out a prayer for the citizens community, right? For that we would cultivate a Christ-centered community. And we'll just keep it up there. And that will remind us every week who we are. Sound like a plan? So right now, the band's going to play. Why don't you find a couple people around you. I want you to pray that the Lord would develop community here. And then we'll sing.